Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can sit back, relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. The only announcement for hideout keeping today is to keep your ear open for our first official podcast sponsor later in the show. Truly, though, I just wanted to say thank you for rating the show, sharing it, everything that you guys do that watch, that listen. It's opening doors. It's trimming a path through the forest for things that we were simply dreaming about a year ago. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I just named those things off, but the absolute best way that you can support the show are sharing it with a friend, rating it on any of the podcast platforms or YouTube, you know, a thumbs up, a comment, all of that stuff goes a very, very long way. We also have a Patreon for those of you that are able or willing to support for as little as a dollar a month there. I just wanted to especially welcome everybody that's new in Patreon. We had a significant number of $1 signups, which those add up. Those allow us to do things. Those allow us to get towards these sponsorships and just do more. And we're excited to bring more stuff to you because of that. Thank you. And then lastly, it's our social channels and following us and engaging with us there as well. So if you're looking to engage with me specifically, you can always find me on Twitch a couple afternoons a week. You can find me on Twitter, basically anywhere at MTB Trigger. And the best way to contact me directly is Discord. And you can DM me there. You can tag me in anything you want me to see in the XP Media Discord. I check all of those. I try to respond to everything as quickly as I can. That's it for me. Ronald, how are you, man? And let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you and what's going on in your world, sir. Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing fantastic. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been rating the show and thank you for everyone who's been sharing the show. It definitely is starting to make an impact out there in the gaming podcast space. And in a serious note, we just want to say thank you. We're excited for the future of the XFIL. We're excited for the future of XP Media. We've got some great stuff planned. And all of that is because you guys are awesome and are sharing the podcast with your friends and with people who enjoy Tarkov and just hanging out, talking about video games, just like we do. The best way to get a hold of me is in Discord. You can tag me in Discord. You can also send me a DM. I'm hanging out in there uh, pretty much every day. And there's a lot of act sections of the discord whether it's tarkov whether it's PUBG, whether it's wow whether it's asking questions about how your computer is asking questions about console we even have mobile players uh, from various games that group up in our discord there's active groups every single night and so the best way to get a hold of me is just hang out and be there because that's where i am i'm on twitter at ronald gaming you can follow me there and, of course, a couple times a week, I hang out in MTB Trigger's stream while he's streaming Tarkov or PUBG or whatever else he wants to do. And we just have a good time, talk about what's going on, and enjoy ourselves in the stream. Outside of that, you can email the show with anything more formal at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. But besides that, 
I think we're ready to get into tonight's show. Thank you for everybody last week. We had some great feedback on the show. It was a fun show to make for us both. We actually had a great time recording the show. And one of the things that we get to do as content creators is we listen to the show back when we're editing it. And this last week was one of those shows that we actually just enjoyed listening to as a consumer of podcasts as well. And that doesn't happen all the time for us. Thank you to everyone who reached out. Uh, it was a great uh, it was a great show last week. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think motivation to play is a very interesting thing and listening back to it was it was it was it was actually a joy to listen back to it and we got a bunch of private feedback but also public feedback on different ways people are handling that. The continuation of making money has been awesome. We've seen some new people in the Discord that just picked up the game and they're asking for feedbacks about early guns and you know how to get started with making money. And it's just awesome to see the community surround them and help them out with ideas to get them started on their Tarkov journey. And then people sharing their ultimate strats for making money and for how to motivate yourself or something to push into. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, a kind of continuation of the motivation concept with one of our stories. But I really wanted to talk about something that we brought up in an episode a few weeks ago in the patch show, and it's the heavy bleed mechanic. And I thought it was a neat idea. At the time, I really didn't think it was something that was necessary for the game, meaning I didn't know how impactful it was going to be. And honestly, I just thought it was going to be an annoyance when I was scaving and got a heavy bleed and couldn't make it out. But I had something happen to me. But I also want to give a shout out to Rennie and Tony Piff in the Discord. And Tony brought it to my attention. Rennie might not even know that I know this story, but Tony was telling me about a situation where he was in Discord. He was watching the Discord stream of Rennie, who was in a scav match or a scav raid, and he got in a fight with an enemy on shoreline. He managed to shoot this enemy in the stomach, caused a heavy bleed, and this is where Tony was watching and saw this whole thing happen in Discord, and the scav is bleeding, the enemy scav is bleeding, and now Tony has given Rennie the title Detective Rennie because he watched him follow the blood trail all the way from the pier to the road to customs exfil. And he ended up finding this enemy scav's body right next to the road to customs extract, which basically ended up leaving Rennie with a nice little hidden stash at the end of his detective journey as Tony watched on Discord. So really kind of neat. Speaking of your hidden stash, we are super excited to announce our very first sponsor on the Xfil. Tonight's sponsor, Manscaped, is the only way for you to avoid a heavy bleed. <laughs> Look, I mean, I think we've all been in a situation and we're going to be committed to keeping things um, not ultra graphic. So I hope you stick with us through this. But the truth is, I think all of us have been in a situation where a nick or a cut happens and um, I honestly think heavy bleed is, is the accurate term. And truth is, I've got this bad boy sitting right here and I made sure to clean it off before coming on the show because I think you all know why. But there's a ceramic blade on this bad boy. This is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. And I can uh, personally testify that this thing actually works. It is 100% waterproof. And I can also confirm uh, to all of you out there that my wife is 100% going to steal this and we will not be sharing it. She made sure to tell me that. That's right, boys. It's good for her as well. So I will be getting another one. So 
What you need to know is you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code XFIL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure to use code EXFIL, XFIL. Stop camping behind the Christmas tree and up your grooming game. So speaking of heavy bleeds, I had my own story with this in game, actually, which is why everything lined up really well with our first sponsor, uh, that story that Tony was telling me about. But I was actually an interchange and it just sort of highlighted for me storytelling or how systems in Tarkov can impact the way I view the game or think about it after. And I think it's really powerful. But in this interchange game, I was basically scaving. I was on a scav and I did my normal run through the back of Idea, crossed over through the warehouse of Goshen, and then I went through the back of Ollie and I was heading out towards the Emercom Xfil. And as I was leaving, I went down the left side of the roads and I saw basically a massive blood splatter on the guardrail for the road. And then I looked down and there's a blood puddle there. And this was the first time that I had encountered a heavy bleed in game. And this is like a week two. I don't even know how far out from the patch we are. We two or three weeks now. And it's the first time I noticed a pile of blood, a puddle of blood (laughs) in the game. And it caught me. I was like, oh, wow, something happened here. So then as I'm moving towards that hidden stash in between that guardrail and the exfil, I keep seeing these little spots of blood. And I basically followed it up to the hidden stash, Jaeger stash. So that's open and there's blood next to it. And then it went down and through the bushes. And then there was a trail of blood into the exfil and no body. So unlike Rennie, who actually found the dead body, I was basically following this story of somebody who got shot as they were leaving, or they got shot before that, and that's just when I noticed it, and they were running towards the exfil, they looted the stash, and they left. And I don't know what ammo it was, I don't know when it happened, but that little change, that little addition that Battlestate put in the game gave me this amazing story in my mind of what happened, or just that little bit of info that it just, it didn't impact me negatively at all. It just gave me some information and it just had this cool exit. And I'll always remember it as the first time I encountered a heavy bleed. So this little system that I thought was just going to be annoying has actually turned into like a story mechanic. I'm actually curious if other people have had really cool heavy bleed stories. Like I'm pretty sure all of us have got a heavy bleed where we died or didn't want to die and it happened. But I want to hear the other side of that. So if you've had one, definitely let me know. Yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest things about Discord is that we can share stories about what goes on inside of Tarkov, right? The good, bad, and, you know, the wins. In this particular case, let's talk about some heavy bleed stories because I know that I had my very first experience with the heavy bleed actually causing me to say, hey, wait a minute, something happened here. And it was a trail. It was something totally different than what used to seeing in Tarkov. I can say that it caused me to actually follow and it changed my gameplay path, which I thought was really interesting because I was curious as to what this was going to lead to. And I didn't know that it was going to be a couple of dead bodies or what was going to happen, you know, at the end of it. But definitely some something happened and it made me curious enough to change what my goal was in the map. And so that's why I think the heavy bleed mechanic 
has all kinds of interesting possibilities for affecting your gameplay. So if that's happened to you, what kind of crazy things has the heavy bleed done to you? Like, have you gotten heavy bleeds and just, you know, dropped dead short of the exfil or something like that, which could totally happen in this scenario? Or have you won a PvP encounter because of this mechanic that, you know, the other person wasn't ready to mitigate or counter? We want to hear all those stories. Share those stories in Discord. It's it's really great. Who knows? Maybe we'll use one on the show. We had some great raids this week, Trigger. We actually had a pretty good string on Shoreline. We got really <laughs> crazy on the night raids. And we want to talk about a couple of those raids and just kind of break down the setting and kind of how, why we were doing them. And then a couple of things that happened. And we want to start off where I got shot by a suppressed Mosin and uh, things went crazy from there. Yeah, and I I do want to hit on this really quick because we're going to jump into some of these shoreline stories. And one of the biggest requests or the most often requested things for the show is to hear more about interesting raid encounters. And, you know, people like to put themselves in the situation, think about how they'd get out of it, etc. So we're going to dig into that a little bit this week. And we did. We had some amazing raids on shoreline. But the first one that we really, um, we both were just like, (laughs) oh let's just break it down because we'll let you decide but we're on shoreline and our goal going into the map was to finish up some scav kills that was the primary secondary to that and and the scav kills were for ronald and secondary to that was me getting the remaining three uh m1a reaper kills for my task i had already got two out of the five i said hey i'm gonna bring a reaper in i gotta get three kills so We spawn in. The goal is for me to spot scabs so that Ronald can take him down and then also protect us from PMCs and kind of establish a perimeter. So we spawned down at Road to Customs. We cleared our way through the radio tower, you know, basically went up. I was scoping out over all of the cliffs. And if you're new to the shoreline map, we basically started on the southeast corner and we cleared roughly on a 45 degree angle northwest, which took us through the radio tower and we were heading towards the power station in the middle of the map so that we could go after a very common spawn, which is the sniper scav on top of the power station. So as we finished the radio tower. Ronald looted that. I took some long distance shots at some little white hot (laughs) signatures on my thermal register. And then we moved our way to the power station. Basically, we set up there and I basically said, hey, I will make sure that no one flanks us. I'll look up towards the health resort to the north. I'll keep watching the east where we came from to make sure no one comes behind us. And then I'll be looking down south to see if anybody comes through the pier. And it was at this point that Roddle, he, you know, Eric makes a call and he's like, um, hey man, there's PMC. So like at this point, I guess explain maybe where you were, because if you are familiar with power station on the east side of it, there's two power lines that run into the east side of it. And I was on the east side of that up on the hill. So a little bit removed from the building. So where were you at that point? So I was underneath the superstructure that supports the power lines, right? The big metal superstructure looking down into the yard of power station. And the scav AI has changed so much that I thought that what turned out to be a scav was a PMC because it was running. It was running across on the other side of the power station. And so what it ended up doing is looking at the yard and clearing out 
two scavs and the sniper scav. And the third scav that I had to kill in that scenario, I had to find an angle and just wait for him to run around the building. And while I was waiting for him to run around a building, I was sitting kind of crouched. I wasn't prone, but I was crouched. And I was kind of out in the open, but not really. But I was still was a little bit kind of at the crest of the hill. And I shot the scav and then instantly I got shot. Now, I didn't die. I was I had class five armor on, had an X-Fill, Wendy on, you know, and so kitted out pretty good. I didn't die, but I, I got hurt pretty bad. So I ran, immediately ran, and I didn't know where the bullet came from. I just knew it was from behind me because I could hear the shot coming, but that's about it. And it was absolutely a, a Mosin, and the guy was a long, long way away. So I ran directly down the hill back towards where Trigger was, which is, if you can think of Power Station, the road that goes between Power Station and the Weather Station, there's the what's called Drunk Tank, which is the tank that's off the side of the road. I ran from the Power Station towards the tank, and I hid in a little dip in the terrain, and then Trigger was thermoing in the direction from where the shot came from. Boy, and it was crazy, right? Because I was covering our backside to the east, and I heard the shot, and I was like, I asked, I was like, dude, did you just take a suppressed shot? And he's like, no, 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 no. So I immediately swing and start looking, and I don't see the guy. And I, I, I knew from the direction that it came from the north, and on the northeast side of the power station, there's a dirt road that runs across and ends up being where you can actually cross to the west over the river. And above that is a bunch of woods. It's a wooded area. There's trees like crazy. So I didn't see anything. So I said, hey, let's go south. Um, I don't know where this guy's at. We're going to need to find him. But let's use the thermal to our advantage. So I end up running too far to the east. Ronald finds a good spot to prone out. And I'm out in the open. Like I'm like in a dip that's looking straight up north. I don't have any cover. And I scope in because I realize I'm in a bad spot. And I got super lucky because I basically scoped in like almost right on this guy. I had to make a minor correction and I shot one bullet and tagged him in the head before he shot at me. And I know he was lining up that Mosin because we ended up getting to loot him. But he he quite literally was lining up the shot. I'm almost positive. And I had zero cover. So he probably had the ability to get it. So I got super lucky. Uh, with where I scoped in and that he happened to be peeking at that moment. Yeah, and it was a long range shot. So your kill, I think if we we looked at it, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 meters or something like that. He was a long way away shooting at us. And yeah, that was the one it was that was just under 200. It was okay. but it was a long range shot. Um, and actually, that's a good point, because this is one of those situations where I got to use my tasks, right? And I had shooter born in heaven and I had the M1A kills. and. I knew I wasn't 100% sure that I killed him because I didn't have a shooter born in heaven tracker, but I did have the M1. Oh, wait. So the first thing I looked at was the shooter born in heaven, and I didn't have the kill on that. But then I looked at my M1A kill, and I had it there. And I said, hey, I know he's dead because I got the M1A kill, but it wasn't a headshot. <laughs> and it ended up being a thorax shot. But yeah, it, I mean, it was way up the hill, and he just happened to be in a spot where I could tag him. Yeah, and props to this guy because at the angle that he was holding, he was 200 meters from you, but to hit me up by the power station, that guy made a great, great shot. And just because I had a full class five, he wasn't able to kill me, but he only, he hit me once and I was hurting. I had to run down and he blacked out my arm and I had to repair my arm and I had to 
heel. And it was an interesting situation because I didn't hear the bullet really at all. I just knew I got shot from behind. So I knew I had to run for cover to block that line of sight for basically what was behind me off to like a 45. And because we were so basically dual squatting, right? You know, we were able to handle the situation. But if I was in a solo situation, I would have been in trouble because where I was repairing, he couldn't get me. But as soon as I popped up, he would have been able to shoot me again. Yeah. And he must have run down the hill, right? Because where he shot you from was way out there. I moved toward him inadvertently. And then you were on the backside of power. But by the time he got to me, I mean, he closed the gap significantly. And this is happening over you know, 15 to 30 seconds. I mean, it wasn't like a bang, bang, bang. It was he shot, Ronald took cover, I took cover, and then I decided to rotate. And then I rotated incorrectly and got lucky. But this guy was closing the distance. Like he was not, he was not just playing passively and sitting up the hill. I mean, he took a shot. He may have thought that he dropped Ronald and he was coming to check out his kill. But he, I mean, he moved a significant way down the hill from resort. And so, to Ronald's point, there was a communication piece there where it was, he's like, I'm safe, I'm good, I'm repairing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if I can find him now. And then I was forced to because of where I ended up moving. But um, the guy made a great play. I mean, he took a nice shot, connected with it. And then I, again, the, the way he was looking, I think he was getting ready to let one go towards me. So pretty cool. It was it was uh, it was interesting, right? It was just supposed to be a, you know, I'm going to keep PMCs at a distance, try to take some long shots, get some tasks done. We'll get your scav kills and we'll get out. And it just turned into this like intense fight because other things that were going on as I wrote this down earlier so that we talk about it, I didn't think about it. But we heard grenades down at the pier. We heard grenades up at the resort. Uh, we saw a three-man team on thermals at like, you know, 400 meters running up to resort. So like we had people all around us and there was sounds in every direction and we saw a team. In my mind, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, if it's that team that we saw that I was shooting at, <laughs> I, mean, I was taking long distance pot shots at these guys. And I'm like, if if they come after us, there may be two more guys running down after us. So it ramped up pretty quickly, but we were able to handle it loot him, and then move out of that location. And we exfilled successfully after moving kind of through the middle of the map. We checked out gas station to see if we could see the grenades. But ultimately, it was it was just a really cool success story that was a routine raid. And then, you know, Ronald talked about those two sets of footsteps. I mean, we thought we had a team of PMCs running up to us. We had the long range shots come in. We had seen teams before. It went from routine to crazy to we got to get out of here and reset. So really kind of a cool raid that, I mean, we we definitely weren't planning on it. I mean, you go in with a Reaper and a suppressed AKM or whatever you were using, and it was like, we're going to try to keep our distance and just take care of business. But that's that's not what that raid had in store for us. Yeah. And it's a good reminder that to always kind of be aware of all the different angles that you can get shot at while you're trying to do something. So I did have a suppressed AKM. I was doing the task where you have to have 12 scav kills and turn in seven face masks. And I had, you know, seven or eight at this point. And when I was focused so much on the yard and power station, and I was focused on getting the scavs, which I could hear running around the backside of power station, and I'd already taken out sniper scavs. So I had this false sense of security a little bit that I had the high ground and that I was able to just hang out up there and wait to get into, you know, uh, some kind of a situation that I could fire down at these scavs. 
And I took for granted the fact that I was making a lot of noise, even though the weapon I was using, the gun I, I built was suppressed. I still was making noise and there was a PMC who was watching the whole thing, just waiting for me to come out in the open. And I just took for granted that someone could shoot down at me from where that I was. And it's, it was a good reminder to me because when you get focused on doing a certain one objective, you can get tunnel vision. I can get, I can get tunnel vision when I'm focused on doing that one thing and thinking that my threat was really only in the power station and I had already handled that threat. But in reality, you're always at threat from any angle in Tarkov, and you got to be careful with that. That's one of the things that we love about the game. But also, like in this situation, it's one of those things that can really surprise you. It definitely can. And I think, again, this is something that I hadn't planned on talking about, but as you were breaking down that situation, it, it reminded me of it. And it's sort of a strategy topic, but one of the things that happens, especially in squads and duos and I mean, I think a lot of people know I play a lot of solo Tarkov, you play a lot of solo Tarkov, and we make it a point to try to get some raids in together. But I also play a lot of PUBG, especially in duos. And one of the things that is really good to work on that I've found personally is when someone makes a call out, it's the teammate's responsibility to use that and internalize it and try to figure it out. And, and sure, the person making the call can always do better, right? You can always say like, well, you could have said this, you could have said that, but not really important in the moment. And so the reason I bring that up is there was a point where we were intentionally split covering different angles. And Ronald says, I hear footsteps running towards me. And I said, okay, do you need me? And then he says, two sets of footsteps running up to the power station. I think it's PMCs. So at that point, he's in a position where he can hear two sets of footsteps. And I said, are you sure? And he didn't respond, which tells me that they're close to him. So if I kept talking and, well, where are they? What direction? Da, 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 da. He's trying to figure that out for himself. He gave me the communication I needed to act. And it was at that point that I ran back up to a position where I knew it was safe, which was in between those two towers. And I started scoping in with the thermal trying to find the enemies. And it was at that point when I said, hey, I found one. It's a scav. And I see the other one running. They're over by the cars on the north side of the power station. And then it was that moment of relief because it was scavs. But I wanted to talk about the communication thing because he needed comms clear. I needed a little bit more information. But when he couldn't give it, that signaled to me that it was time to get to him, right? There's no more like, well, what direction? What's going on? I went to his last known location, which he had moved a bit from, but I could at least tell him if needed, hey, I'm where we were before we split. And so I don't know, in that moment, were you thinking about that or were you just trying to find those enemies as they were running up? In that moment, I was trying to give you the most concise information as I could. There's no need to add fluff to it. In a high pressure situation in Tarkov, you have to relay the least amount of fluff <laughs> in a communication to your duo partner as possible. And there is no compass. There's no, it's not like in PUBG where you can say shooting at me from, you know, 3-1 or something. You know what I mean? It's not like that. You have to use landmarks in the map. And then you have to say, in this particular case, two people running up, and I said they were on the fence line on the other side of power station, and I thought they were PMCs because they were just they were running down where PMCs would run from cover to cover to cover. And actually, a side note, hats off to BSG, the SCAV AI has gotten so much better. I absolutely love it. I love that 
fighting against the PvE elements in the game is actually meaningful. Now, granted, it's not like fighting another player, so it's not a replacement. But the way the scavs work and the way that they move around, now sometimes they run around to give their position away, but when you shoot at them and miss, they actually start to get a little bit smart. They don't necessarily come out in the same angles, and it's a lot more fun. You have to hunt them down if you do want that scav kill. Yeah. Now, if you can go ahead and reset your your scav aggro if you need to, but at the same time, it makes that part of the game so much more interesting. And when I was thinking about how am I going to communicate this situation to you as you are coming back to try to help, the biggest reason I didn't respond is because in the intensity of that moment, if I gave you the wrong information, two things could have happened. The help that you were going to give me, I could have set you up wrong. So you could have gotten shot because I told you they were actually over in a different area than they actually were which would have left you exposed, thinking that the threat was coming from the improper place. And the second thing is, I could have gotten myself killed because I wasn't exactly sure. I had I had two choices to make where I thought they were going to be, and they were not exactly in the same area. So I had to make a split-second decision, and I needed more information. Now, subsequently, we got that because they ran farther down the fence line, and because of that, the one of the two possible locations where they could have ended up being was narrowed down. And we were able to ultimately take care of the situation. But communication is key in stressful moments because you do not want to give a bunch of rapid fire, imprecise information, especially in Tarkov. There's nothing to help you other than what you can see and other than the knowledge of the map that you have. And, and that's the point I was trying to make. And it's really cool to have both perspectives because one of the things that I see a lot or when I get involved a lot is someone will give a comm out. And if it's like a four or five man squad, feels like there's always somebody that's like, I don't see that. Where is it? What are you talking about? Which tree? What rock? I don't see the rock. And there's just this constant string of, you know, the person receiving the comm keeps asking questions over and over and over again. And I would just say, look at the way that you respond to communication. And when someone gives out the most, like the most, whatever information they can give out, it's your job to take that and then go find it, right? It's not their job to perfectly describe what's going on. It's their job to give you the quickest, concise method possible. I learned, I think it's the three Ds, which is, it may be a military thing. I, I just, I learned it from a guy who was in the military and I've played some squads with, and it's distance, direction, and description. So you give a rough distance if you can, rough direction if you can, and a rough description. And you notice that Ronald knows that he told me the description, but I didn't catch it. He gave me, hey, they're coming up to the power station, which told me from the south. He told me that he thought it was two PMCs. And then he said the fence part, but I didn't catch that because I was taking what he said and getting into position. And I asked one clarifying question, and then I shut up. Now, I again, I'm just coming back to that is there will be times where somebody gives you a communication piece that is wrong and they set you up incorrectly. But when it was all said and done, we talked about that. It was like, hey, man, that was a great communication. I was pretty far away. I rotated back up. And then he's like, no. And then when you spotted him, that gave me what I needed to get the scav kills. And it just worked out really well. But it doesn't always go that way. And a lot of times, that's what I find myself analyzing if our squad dies. Like, okay, what did I do wrong? Did I say something? Did I misleading? Like, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to raise my hand and say, like, I've said, he's on the tree. And we're on woods. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> duh, he's on the tree, right? So I, I work on that stuff all the time. So anyway, that that was actually a really cool scenario for how comms can be used effectively and they don't have to be perfect and I don't expect them to be perfect, but I expect myself to react to them to help my teammate. And another major piece that made us successful in this scenario and in the other subsequent raids that we did that night was we decided before the raid started who was going to take the lead and where we were going. It's it's just super important because you cannot have two different objectives and be like, oh, dude, let's go over here. Oh, no, no, dude, let's go over here because you're going to get split up or you're going to get in a situation where someone is not really wanting to do whatever the other partner wants to do. But we had agreed as we were zoning in like, okay, man, you take the lead this time. You you be the one who tells me where to go. I was like, or I'll take the lead. I want to get this task done or I want to go in this area. And this is the general path that I want to get through. And then we'll exfil here depending on where we start. And we had gotten all of that clarified before we even zoned in. So there was no question on where we were trying to get to. So it wasn't, oh, get shot and then randomly have to move to a different area and have no plan. It was, no, get shot, deal with the situation, decide if we were going to change our plan and then get through it. And because of that, that really helped because Trigger knew where I was because he knew what I was trying to do. It didn't matter that I wasn't exactly where he thought, you know, where, where he knew that I would be, but he knew the general area because we had a plan, we we're sticking to the plan. We had the route mapped out before we started, and that really helped make that raid successful in dealing with that situation as it developed. Now, I will be honest, the last raid of the night did not go so well, and we really want to break it down because <laughs> as we talk about things on the show, as you all know, we talk about the things that we do well, and then we talk about things that we don't do well. And... I made a mistake in this raid that was something that I want to break down and talk about because I think it's important to learn from the things that you do wrong, especially when you're trying to learn how to play in a group in Tarkov in duos. And because of that, we need to set this up. We need to do kind of how we got to where we got. So Trigger, why don't you take us through how this raid started and what our kind of objective was and how it changed because of where we spawned. And we'll kind of get into the setup of how chaos kind of ensued. Yeah, and I think the setup's important because we were on our fourth shoreline raid of the night. The first three went exceptionally well. Bunch of kills, some player kills, scav kills, good loot. We're on raid four. I still had my thermal. We had all of our gear. We had pulled stuff out. We had gotten tasks done. And we got not god spawn on the east side but the spawn near the cabin on the hill which is a very good pmc spawn pmc killing spawn because you have them on either side and there's a quick route up to the resort and at this point we had completed ronald's scav killing task and at then i was saying hey man i need two more reaper kills because of the spawn i said hey let's go let's head up towards resort so that was kind of how it all started. We saw where we spawned in and I said, hey, man, we got to spawn. I want to get some kills. Let's go. That's how it kind of kicked off. And that's the that's what had happened beforehand leading into this this little part. And it's interesting because in Tarkov 2, success can breed false confidence. We had just a great night of rolling through some awesome raids and we had pulled out well north of a million rubles worth of gear. I know I had at least over two by the time the night was done. Yep. And we had done well, 
We had gotten lots of kills. We were having a good time, kind of messing around and whatever. And we got a little bit loose in the one thing that we hadn't done for the rest of the night. For the rest of the night, we had followed each other. We had been covering each other the whole time. And so when bad situations could have erupted, we were each there to take care of the problem. You know, and it was never a situation where one of us was too far ahead or too far alone or off or whatever. And because of that, we had a lot of success. Now, like Trigger said, we spawned to the east on the fence. We ran towards resort up the hill towards the old cabin that's on the east side of resort. And then you go through that valley and then you come up into the resort area. As we were running up past the cabin, I stopped and went into the cabin and looted the two crates because I couldn't help myself. Because there's a red rebel spawn possibly on the shelves in that cabin. And there's also a, uh, there's two weapons boxes in there. Trigger kept going. I told him, hey, I'm going to get these loot real quick. He's like, okay. And so he kept going. He ran down the hill and was alongside of the path, the vertical wall that's right alongside of the path. Now, this is where things went a little bit crazy. I was coming out of the cabin and Trigger starts to get shot at from the god spawn area, from two PMCs who are pretty thick coming up that path, three PMCs who are pretty thick coming up that path from the area where that gazebo is, where that bonfire is, kind of coming up that path. And they start shooting at him, and I was out of position, and so I couldn't shoot back at them, even though they were somewhat exposed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and this all, this is like, the opposite of what happened on the Mosin story, right? This all happened in split seconds. So, right, we said, hey, we're going to run up to the resort. We're going to try to kill some PMCs. And, and I'll say this right up front. I don't know that it would have changed any if you were with me. It may have changed if you decided to post up on the hill, which I don't know if that would have been the decision. I mean, it was either loot or keep running. I don't know that it would have been, hey, I'm going to stop here and, and shoot. I don't, I don't think that would have been the call. So I'm, I, I don't know that this changes anything. So I don't think it was that big of a mistake, but I made some mistakes in this as well. So I went down the hill and I was hugging the cliffside towards the resort and I had my thermal and I heard one set of footsteps. And this is how I know it was three. I heard one set of footsteps already having crossed the path toward the corner fence of the resort on the northeast side. And then I heard two more sets of footsteps going up. So I'm in range for them to have heard me sliding to a stop. So I scope in and these two guys come out white hot and they're like 20 meters away. It's close. I'm downhill. They have the uphill advantage. And I start just blaring shots in there. And I don't know if I missed high, left, right. I did some damage on the report, but I just didn't connect with my shots. So I go down. I know one of them's hurt. And I give the comm. I'm like, hey, I just went down. And, and Ronald's like, yep, yep, I'm out. And, and, and he starts scoping in and he spots one of them. One of them's going back towards the sniper scav. One of them's moving left up into resort. And I'm like, they have to be looting me because I had a big bag on, right? And so Ronald gets into this fight and he's shooting at him. And as he's scoped in shooting at this other guy, the guy that looted me is running up the hill and Ronald tags this guy up, but somehow he gets to cover as well. So now he's faced with this decision of, okay, you know, my teammates loot has just got looted. I've tagged two of them up, but now it's a 1v3 and none of them are shown and they just got a thermal scope, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm like, dude, you, I mean, you can fight them if you want. You probably have to flank or get out of there. And I, at this point, like it's whatever, right? I made a bad decision. 
I was sprinting up somewhere I shouldn't have been. The guy took great shots, took me out. I didn't hit my shots. End of story. And and Ronald told me what he was doing. You know, I, I knew that my partner was stopping to loot and I kept going anyway. And so to your point, man, it was like, I should have probably been like, okay, well, if you're going to loot, I should hang back. Right. But it was that confidence of like, we haven't died. I don't think I'm going to die. I've got a thermal. We're at one of the best spawns. I think I'm good. And, and I got I got clapped. So that's where that's where I basically exit the raid and watch through the discord stream as as Ronald finished it out. Yeah. So you're dead at the bottom of the hill. I see the guy who killed you coming to loot towards you and I start lighting him up. He turns around and runs back up the hill, and I'm shooting at him, I'm shooting at him, and then I get shot at from the side, from his putty. He disappears into a bush, I can't see him. I light the bush up, basically, till my almost till my clip is empty. And I'm like, okay, we don't know. I, I could see through the scope, I could see the splash, so I know I hit him, for sure, at least twice. So I, I'm like, okay, what do we do here, right? And I know that there's another guy, we know that he picked up your thermals, we know he has a thermal, and we know there's two other ones. So the only way to possibly engage in this fight and have any kind of chance is to go on a nine mile flank. And that's exactly what I did. I ran back towards the south fence passage and then I ran around. I followed the back wall of shoreline, which is the north wall of shoreline, almost all the way to Rock Passage. I started looking up the hill for those guys because I knew that they were going to have to move. You know, and I figured the odds of finding them are low, but if I do see them, I'll take some shots at him. I had a pretty good gun for that distance. I had a pretty decent scope in the Valde that I could see for that distance. And I felt pretty confident. Now, I knew I was running a risk because that guy had a Reaper. I knew that he's going to see me before I see him. So it turned really more for me, less of a Tarkov map in where I was really worried about being quiet. This turned into like a PUBG game where it was about moving, (laughs) staying moving. Because if he starts shooting at me and I'm moving around, He's going to have a hard time hitting me. So we ended up getting to the point where I got up and I got a good position. I kept looking and I ended up seeing him. It took one shot at him and he took like three or four shots at me and I died. And it was because he for sure had the Reaper. If he didn't have the Reaper, he never would have known where I was. And I was okay with that in the end. Obviously, it was terrible to die, but I made the choice that, you know what, it was partially my fault that trigger died. I'm going to go after, even though it was three to one, very low odds. I'm still going to go after these guys and see what I can do in this, in this situation. And because of that, you know, I actually, was I frustrated because I died? Yeah. But I was more frustrated because I think that duos in Tarkov are about sticking together. In three out of four raids, we stuck together and played so well that it created this false sense of confidence. When Basically, we were running into probably the most heated PvP situation that we had gotten, and we knew we were going to get into it. And I should just have never stopped or looted. I could have looted that later. I should have ran down there with you because you were using a thermo in close quarters. I could have just sprayed those guys, and we for sure would have gotten one of them. And reflecting on it, it's just one of those lessons about comms in duos and about how you just can never really leave your partner in Tarkov. And you have to stay kind of in constant communication about what you're trying to do, what your objective is. And it's a real lesson learned. I wanted to talk about it tonight specifically because I think that basically if you're going to do duos, the biggest thing you can do is start with a plan. 
and designate one of you to be the person to kind of be in charge and set the direction for the raid. Because when we split up, when Trigger kept going down the hill and I stopped at the house, nobody was in charge. Like we, nobody was in charge. Our plan fell apart when we got the spawn because the spawn changed everything. And then we didn't have a plan because we spawned in an area where, oh, Mike can get his last two kills. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I want to get some loot. And so the whole structure that made us successful kind of broke down at that point. And so I think that it's just super important to stick to a plan. If the plan's going to change, you can be running towards something different. But I think that you got to stay focused on what the objective is and agree on that objective. And you can be running towards a different objective. But just while you're running, you have to agree on what the new plan is going to be. Yeah. Yep. You know, as I thought back on that raid, you know, it was hard because you you heard us say that it was the last raid of the night. And that's just because of the time. And we knew it was the last raid, whether it was short or long, we were just going to be done at that point. And it would have been really easy to get frustrated there uh, for a number of reasons. One, because I missed my shots and I thought I hit some that I didn't, that we ran into a three-man thick team just to our right, that I didn't have the cover fire that I was kind of expecting, that I didn't put enough significance on the communication that he was going to loot that cabin and how long that would take. There's all of these reasons to get frustrated, but at the end of the day, like I look back on it and I'm like, man, that was a rough 800,000 <laughs> ruble loss raid losing the scope. But at the end of the day, I learned a very good lesson on that spawn, that section of the map, where the other team can get to when you're full sending the resort if you have that spawn. And I also learned some pretty valuable stuff on watching the Discord stream on how Ronald was able to engage them. And if I ever got that spawn again in solo or duo and I have a long range scope, I'm moving up to that cabin and I'm certainly going to be looking to the right to see if they come down on a flank. But man, you had really solid vision of the area running up to resort. Now they can get to cover. It's not wide open, but you hit some shots on two guys at least. And you put yourself in a position where you were pretty defensible on that hill. But had we had the drop on them, both of us from that section as they ran up, I I just have to think it would have gone very, very differently for them because that that angle's great. So I'm excited to get back into shoreline and try it again and see if I can flip the script when I get that spawn again. Yeah. And that's the best part about being honest about what your gameplay is. You know, whether you record your gameplay and watch it back or whether you just think about it and you're like, okay, what could I have done better? And you talk about it with you know, whoever you're playing with. That's the best part about really honestly reflecting and say, yeah, I did that great. And yeah, I didn't do that so great. And when you try to figure out the why behind dying in Tarkov, it's really crazy because most of the why, sometimes it just comes down to dumb luck. And sometimes you have no idea, like you can record your gameplay and sometimes you're just dead and you, you can play it back slowly frame by frame. You're like, what? happened and there's no clue and then sometimes like in this situation it was set up you know the setup was there and we made the choice to do what we did and then i made the choice to go after the people that killed you knowing i was at fully at a disadvantage but not caring but still making the choice to try to go and go after those and you know that that's a choice i could have run the other direction and gotten away to the south and engaged in the southern part of the map and probably exfil just fine and it would have been great. But I made my choice and I'm okay and comfortable with that choice. And so like 
dying was not frustrating for me as I reflect upon it now. I'm actually excited to get back in because I like getting better at Tarkov as I learn from the mistakes that I make. And I also learn from the things that I do well. And so I like building upon the experience of Tarkov. And so I'm excited to get back in and try it again, just like you said. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I feel the same way. I'm excited. And it, it just makes me <laughs> enjoy this because there was a lot of stuff that I had planned to talk about, a tremendous amount of stuff that I didn't plan on talking about, which is why I love sitting down and chatting about stories. We haven't had story time on the show in quite a while, but we also haven't asked for story time in a while as well. So whether it's in the comments on YouTube or your podcast app or in Discord, uh, I would love to hear some just community impactful stories. And if you, there was a lesson learned or not, it doesn't really matter, but I, I love listening to these stories. And all of this kicked off. The reason this episode came into existence, again, was because of the Rennie story told to me by Tony Piff, who, you know, had a crazy scenario. He wasn't even involved in it. He was watching it through a Discord stream, but it was impactful enough for him to tell me about it later randomly. You know, so I don't know. There's just some really cool stuff going on in the game right now. And I would really love to hear some more stories that were impactful for one reason or another. So I'm excited for that. I look forward to your guys' stories. Um, I love watching clips. I love watching videos. Like we had a, a video posted today of the 10-man group that went into labs. Like I, I just, I love watching that stuff and hearing about the results. So uh, let's let's fill the Discord and the comments with those this week because they're just fun to to talk through and hear about. I hope you will, uh, you know, take some time, write it out, go full detail on this one, kind of like we did. I mean, we took two stories and talked about them for... <laughs> you know, 40 minutes, which again, I love doing. So I'm glad we took the time this week. Yep. And it doesn't matter if you're aggressive or if you're strategic. It doesn't matter if you're a W key or you like to sneak around. It really doesn't matter. Tarkov is just as impactful on both groups of players. So go ahead. I, I can't wait to read it. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have been up to in Tarkov. And let's let's get some funny stuff. Let's get some serious stuff. Let's get some stuff in there we can all learn from. And uh, let's just have a good time with it. Look forward to seeing it in Discord. If you want us to see it, you know, go ahead. You can tag Trigger and I in Discord. And we for sure will see it. But we'll also be checking in episode feedback for those. Yeah, please do. Tag away. No problem being tagged in anything and everything. Yep, we don't mind. Tag us. Doesn't, doesn't hurt our feelings at all or annoy us or anything like that, feel free to tag away. But that's about it for this week. We see the Xfil green bar flashing, and that means that we are moments away from disappearing. But first, we want to say thank you to the community. Our very first sponsor, manscaped.com. Use code Xfil. Go out there, get your 20% discount with your free shipping. All of this is happening because of you. You guys are awesome. You guys have shared the show. You guys have made the show what it is. Our community is great because of you. Our community is not great just because of Trigger and I. It's great because all of you participate. Everybody shares, everybody plays together, and we have a healthy community of people that just enjoy playing games together. So thank you to all of you. You guys are awesome. And as a reminder, the full talk show version of the show is available on YouTube for those of you that listen to the audio-only version. That would be youtube.com slash xpmedianow. Check out Trigger and I talking about it every week, and you get the same experience that you get on the audio side, but you get to see us talk about it. Also, check out the audio version anywhere that audio podcasts are downloaded. That's Podbean, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify. 
that's Pandora, that's Deezer, that's all kinds of different places. Anywhere that you can get your favorite audio podcasts, Apple, anywhere, we are there. If you have a moment, also please leave us a comment, a five-star review, whatever it is on your preferred podcast listening platform. It does help the show get spread around to even more people, which just makes the community even more awesome. But that's about it for this week. I look forward to reading your stories. Good luck in your raids out there. I hope everybody is successful this week and we'll catch you next week. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you.